Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012. It's now the 25th day of October 2016, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this while driving one of the many mobile Sully Baseball Studios, and I gotta tell you, my friends, I am somewhere between Sacramento, California, and San Francisco, California, which is the route that players take from the AAA affiliate of the San Francisco Giants, which is in Sacramento, and San Francisco, of course, the home of the Giants. What am I doing here? What am I doing driving from Sacramento to San Francisco and it's late at night? Do you know what? It's just life took me here. Elements of life landed me here and now I'm driving back to the Bay Area, to the peninsula. And while it's late at night, and I'm driving from one strange place to a familiar place, I figure what better way to keep myself occupied late at night than by talking to you, my dear friends and podcast listeners. Thank you all for the kind words that I got for the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast fourth anniversary, which was yesterday. And today... um, this I'm doing the next one. This is the beginning of year five. And let me ask you all something. My dear listeners, my friends, my friends in podcasting land, let me ask you something. What what new things do you want to see in the podcast? Seriously, I, I promise I'm not going to do every one of them from the car. Just trust me. This is what I'm going to be able to do it today is in the car on this drive. And, and it's probably best I can sit and talk with you all as I'm driving along here. But do you want more guests? Do you want more historical stuff? Do you want more analysis? Would you would you participate in a call-in show? Would you, would you want to see more video podcasts? There are all sorts of things I'd like to do. Hell, I wanted the fourth anniversary to be a gala, kind of like what we did for the 1,000th show. But, you know, kind of like how I wound up on a road from Sacramento to San Francisco, life got in the way. This is the danger of doing a podcast every single day, is you have to have this train go on even if life takes you to strange places. Well, let me know. Send me an email at info at sullybaseball.com. Send me a tweet at Sully Baseball. Uh, you know, people know if you send me tweets, uh, I will indeed respond sometimes in a snarky, sarcastic manner, but that's all right. That's all right. But let me know if there's anything that you'd like me to do on the show moving forward, and I'd love to do it with you. Well, you know what today is. Today is one of those super special days, not just on the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast, but for baseball fans everywhere. It's Game 1 of the World Series. And for all of the excitement of what's been a wonderfully exciting regular season and a postseason filled with some terrific moments, 
this is what people will think of when they think of the 2016 season is this World Series. That's what you think of. I've made this point before, but when you are recapping a season, a year, inevitably, with very few exceptions, you think of the World Series. I mean, the few exceptions I can think of off the top of my head, um, I think in 03 and 04, the thing that pops to mind are the Red Sox-Yankees uh, postseason series. That's not just me as a Red Sox fan saying that. Um, I think that in, uh, you know, last year, um, you know, I probably think the bat flip from Jose Bautista probably was the enduring image of the postseason. And in 07, I think the enduring image was that uh, the one-game playoff between the Padres and the Rockies. But most of the time, the thing that people tend to think about would be the World Series. And we have ourselves what should be a hell of a World Series. Now, you have... One thing is for certain. Cup fans are going to have the ending of the curse or Indian fans are going to have their first championship since 1948 and a city that had been starved for a title of any kind will have their second parade in a few months. One of the two longest droughts of a franchise will be relieved of their pain. Now, I, I say it that way because I do believe that the fact that the city of Washington, D.C. has not had a world championship since 1924 and not independence since 1933 and the Nationals slash Expos franchise has never even won a pennant. I think that they deserve to be in at least the conversation for postseason droughts. Although you could also easily make the argument that when the Senators left in 1971, the void was filled nicely by the Baltimore Orioles. Granted, the Orioles have won a world championship, or a pennant for that matter, since 1983, but I digress. So, a team is going to have a long drought over, done. A long drought is going to be quelled. And I had to check to see if I was still recording. You know, when you're recording while driving a car between Sacramento and San Francisco, you know, you can't really go check the volume that tight. Anyway, let's just let's just keep going. It's that kind of a night. I'm not even going to cut that out. Now, the other thing that is certain is that a manager is going to be elected to the Hall of Fame. The winning manager of this World Series is going to the Hall of Fame. That's in stone. Grab the chisel, grab the rock, 
you're writing a letter like in BC and you're carving it into the rock and throwing it out to the ocean. By BC, I mean that cartoon by Johnny Hart. Now, if the Cubs win the World Series, boom, forget it. It's Joe Madden's. Joe Madden is Hall of Fame bound. Joe Madden would have been the manager to take the Tampa Bay Rays. Now, remember who the Rays were. Of course, they were the Devil Rays. But remember who they were before Joe Madden. They were the laughing stock of baseball. They were worthless. They were an embarrassment of a franchise. Constantly in last place. Terrible, terrible, terrible for their first decade. Brought nothing to the table. They were just the they were they were the bottom dwellers. And it made sense because they were named after a fish that was a bottom dweller. Everyone hated the name the devil rays. They were a mess. They changed their name to the Rays, as in a ray of sunshine, although they still had a ray in center field. And under Joe Madden, they won a pennant in 2008. They won a division title in 2010 and a wild card appearance in both 2011 and a startling franchise-defining moment in 2011 with a walk-off homer by uh, Evan Longoria, and then, for good measure, made the playoffs again as the wild card in 2013. They were they went from being the epitome of everything disastrous and hopeless about baseball in a market with the Yankees and the Red Sox in the worst stadium with a seemingly indifferent fan base, and with all of that under Joe Madden the team, and, and a constant turnover of players. Joe Madden kept them as a pretty consistent playoff contender over the years. And then, he's already done... Think about... Just think about this for a second. Think about all the managers who have managed the Cubs since 1945. Some of them have been the Hall of Fame managers. You've got Leo DeRocher manage the Cubs... You've had, you know, think about like whether it's play of managers who have had success elsewhere. Whether it was, you know, Don Baylor who had success with the Rockies beforehand. Whether it was Lou Pinella. Whether it was Dusty Baker. Think of, the, you know, Jim Fry. All these people who had success in other places and took over the Cubs and could not get them into the World Series. With Hall of Famers, Billy Williams, Ernie Banks, Ron Santo, Fergie Jenkins, Andre Dawson, uh, uh, Bruce Souter, uh, uh, Brian Sandberg. Think of the greats, the, the peak of Sammy Sosa, the peak of Pryor, the peak of, uh, what's his doodle? Um, Wood. All these wonderful players over the years in Cub uniforms, boom. And under Joe Madden, they make it to the World Series. They and and you can make the argument that he's a World Series, he's a Hall of Fame manager now. But if he wins a World Series, that's it. That's all he has to do. And the fact that this Cubs team is a young Cubs team and probably going to stick together. Um, 
I mean, they're probably, I, whether or not they'll win multiple championships, uh, that's always a dangerous thing to say because, you know, we all thought the Mets were going to win multiple championships. We all felt that the Tigers were going to win multiple championships in the 80s. We all thought the Braves were going to win multiple championships. You know, we thought that the Seattle Mariners were going to win something. So it's dangerous to say, oh, they're going to win a ton. Yeah, they may only win a division or two after this. If, But if they win it all, then everything else is gravy. And Joe Madden's going to go to the Hall of Fame. But let's go to the other city, and I'm going to talk about something for a second. Terry Francona, you can make the argument, is a Hall of Fame manager already. He has two world championships with the Red Sox. And a couple other postseason appearances with the Red Sox in 05, uh, 08, and 09. But then he also took over a Indians team. You remember their Manny Actis team? And Francona took over. They won the were they were a wild card team in 2013. It was we've seen this matchup before. This is the third time we've seen a Francona team versus a Joe Madden team. Joe Madden won in 2008 when the Rays defeated the Red Sox to win the pennant. Joe Madden defeated uh, Terry Francona in 2013 in the wild card game when the Rays defeated the Cleveland Indians in Cleveland, no less. Well, here's the third time in the World Series. And this is more of a team that you could point to the influence of Terry Francona. Yes, they have Corey Kluber, who is a Cy Young Award winner from 2014 and possibly a Cy Young Award winner this year. And you looked around, who's the huge superstar on this team? Who's the huge MVP candidate on this team? You know, I mean, Lindor is a fabulous player, and I'll get to that in a second. But he's hardly the player you're like, okay, he's going to carry the team. At least not yet. This is a team that he did mixed, matched, put things together, made things work, and guess what? They're in the damn World Series. They beat a Red Sox team that could hit with anybody. They they defeated a Toronto Blue Jays team whose offense looked like it was about to go on an absolute rampage to the World Series. Nope, not going to happen. Only one loss along the way and a bullpen that can't be hit. And Terry Francona is at the helm. Two old traditional franchises, two managers clashing, and one of them will go to the Hall of Fame. Now, I actually think both of them will go to the Hall of Fame, but, you know, it's tough to go to the Hall of Fame as a manager without that ring, without the title, without the thing you can point to and say, this is one we won at all. Doing it with the Cubs, yeah, that's a ticket. Doing it with Cleveland, yeah, there's a ticket there too. You know, I want to talk that there was a couple times I saw some things about how, you know, Chicago hasn't seen something like this for for a very long time. It's been a long time since Chicago has said this. I kept thinking, wait a minute. Am I uh, losing my mind or wasn't there a World Series in Chicago in 2005. All the times people forget the existence 
of the Chicago White Sox. Didn't they win the World Series in 2005? Yes, for Cub fans, this is something else. When I hear like, oh man, the only I saw a headline saying the only the only fans who can understand what Cleveland and Cub fans are going through are Red Sox fans from 2004. Really? What about I don't know the White Sox of 2005? Don't they count? Don't, weren't they long-suffering fans? What then? Wasn't there a drought from 1917 to the World Championship in 2005? Should, did that mean nothing to them? I know a few White Sox fans. Do you know what it meant a lot to them? It was a wonderful team and a wonderful title. And although he didn't play on the World Series, he was hurt. They brought their best franchise player of all time, Frank Thomas, and made sure he got a ring. Something that Ernie Banks didn't get. Something that all those great players I mentioned didn't get. So it's just a strange little piece of, like, look around and see how many people even mention, like, you know what? Chicago has seen a World Series in the past 11 years. They even had a championship parade. Maybe not the Cubs, but technically... The White Sox are a major league franchise. But it's strange. You know what? I, I was thinking about when you think about a, a World Series being the crowning achievement, like it was, you know, for Frank Thomas was injured, but he wound up getting a, a ring as the team wound up winning. You know, when you think about what big legendary Hall of Fame player is going to get a ring from these two teams. You know, that was one of the things I found intriguing about possibly Clayton Kershaw winning a world championship because he's someone who I think is a Hall of Fame caliber player and needs that ring for his legacy. I'll tell you what will be neat. For one of these teams, there's some good, solid young players and some budding superstars. Two that really you know jump out at me, of course, would be Chris Bryant, who's probably going to win the National League Most Valuable Player the year after he won the Rookie of the Year, which will put him in the company of people like, you know, Ryan Howard did that, and uh, Dustin Pedroia did that, and then there's some players who won the Rookie of the Year, and then maybe a couple of years later won the MVP, like Buster Posey, like Mike Trout, like Bryce Harper. And so to have Chris Bryant win and he's clearly one of the you know the elite growing superstars in baseball. Get that ring out of the way early. It's sometimes cool when you have a star player and you get the ring out of the way early. Now sometimes that star blossoms to a potential Hall of Fame player. Ladies and gentlemen, Miguel Cabrera won his ring early as a member of the Marlins. Never had the bugaboo of, oh, are they ever going to win a world championship? Yeah, got it done. Got it done. Check that off the list done, and then now could build their career and build up the stats and the, without ever worrying about whether or not they'll get a ring. Dustin Pedroia is that way. Derek Jeter was that way. Buster Posey. You know, at the time, it looked like Tim Lincecum was putting together the Hall of Fame career. Now it looks like Madison Bumgarner is, but either way, the title got out of the way early for some of these players. Get that done. And maybe that'll be the case for Brian. And maybe that'll be the case 
for Francisco Lindor. Maybe one of those players will emerge as a potential great player, potential Hall of Fame caliber player if they put up great numbers throughout their career and they'll be able to get it done. But I find something very strange. You know, all the attention, like I was mentioning with the White Sox, all the attention is being put on the Cubs. What it means for Cub fans, what it means for this, what it means for that. Now, if the Cavaliers had not won the championship in June, then this would be an unbelievable matchup of two franchise, two fan bases, where both of them are just on the verge of a nervous breakdown. If, the, if we were still in a situation where Cleveland fans hadn't seen a title of any kind since 1964 and wondering if they were going to go another generation without a, without a title, going up against Cub fans and the Billy Goat in 1908-1945, well, that would probably be overwhelming. But as it stands, it's funny that the emotion and the sentimentality is all falling on the Cubs. And with any sort of, you know, just remove the history. Remove Billy Goats. Remove Bartman. Remove the ball through Durham's legs. Remove all that other shit. Okay? And the black cat and all that nonsense. And, oh, I'm getting directions. Um, remove all of that. And just look at the team's as they're constituted, as they're built, and tell me which one the sentiment should be rooting for. On the one hand, you have a big market team with some homegrown players, but a ton of free agent signings, a ton of big spending, including the big spending on the, the marquee manager, signing uh, Hayward, signing Lester, signing Lackey, spending piles and piles of money bringing in Chapman and doing it from a huge fan base and a huge uh, uh, media market and the other you have a much smaller media market in Cleveland you have a much lower budget team and a team that is really scrapped and you know fought and clawed their way to this pennant most people, I didn't because I thought it'd be cute. Most people were picking the Cubs. This is not a startling pennant. This is not a giant surprise. This is what this team was designed to do. And in a way, it's similar to what Theo Epstein did with the Red Sox in 2004. And thank God he did it. And that is he opened up the vault opened up the bank and said we are going to just spend the money push the chips to the center of the table and you know put all this tormented franchise to bed he did that with the Red Sox and as a Red Sox fan I thank him for it every single day and he's trying to do that with the Cubs and of course Theo will go to the Hall of Fame no doubt if the, you know, they probably should go to the Hall of Fame anyway at this point. But, aren't the Indians the underdog? Aren't the Indians the scrappy team? 
aren't the Indians the team that, if you take away, if you just look at it as pure baseball, then you got to look at it and go like, man, they fought and clawed their way to this point and did so without having their two and three starters, without having their starting outfield the way that they originally had it intact and did it sometimes through smoke and mirrors instead of a big, huge team. Now, of course, as a Red Sox fan, I'm the first to admit that it's a gigantic, hypocritical moment to criticize a team for being the big spenders to end a curse because I love the fact that the Red Sox did that. But I also have to look, if you were just seeing as an as an objective baseball fan, aren't the Indians the better story? The underdog team in a division with the big spending Tigers and the defending world champion Kansas City Royals with all the obstacles that the Indians had to go through that they made it this far? I don't know. Root for who you want to root for. And I, and I have to say, as much as I hated the fact that Chapman pitched the ninth, I'm not that cold-hearted a person that I don't understand what this means to Cub fans. That I don't understand that that celebration in Wrigley Field, the people hugging each other, and the people hugging their grandmas and everything like that. I get what that means. And the fact that it happened in Wrigley Field, I, I get the importance of that. I just, that just wasn't how I wanted the ending script to be. But I had a bunch of people ask me, you know, I know you hate Chapman, but don't you, you know, don't you have any positive feelings for the people? Of course I do. Of course I do. And I was actually happy to see that the Chicago Tribune picture was of the hugging of Chris Bryant at first base at the end of the 6-4-3 double play instead of the pile on uh, um, chat. So, I get it. One team is going to be overwhelmingly happy and, and, and give the, their fan base the thrill of their lifetime. I just think that maybe that story is more in Cleveland than with Chicago. I could be wrong. But the World Series is going to begin later tonight. And I'm going to go make my official prediction while I'm driving along here. And um, I'm rooting for the Cleveland Indians. That's who I'm rooting for. That's who I want to win. And frankly, I think they're going to make it a good series. Cleveland has excellent pitching. Cleveland has, even with the injuries to Salazar and Carrasco, I think that their bullpen is deeper than what the, they saw certainly in San Francisco and what they saw in Los Angeles. Uh, and I think they're going to see some good pitching, and I think it is going to be a good series. But that being said, I think the Chicago Cubs are going to win the World Series, and the final game will be played in Cleveland, and the Cubs will win the World Series four games to two. That's my official pick. And I got it in for first pitch. First pitch, Lester, who could wind up being the story of this postseason as he's cementing his potential Hall of Fame candidacy with yet another memorable October, versus Corey Kluber, who had one tiny burp, and that is he had to be forced to pitch game four of the ALCS after the Indians played that uh, bullpen takeover game in game three. 
The Giants couldn't have done that game in Game 3, and neither could the Dodgers. The Indians can. The Indians' pitching depth, even without Carrasco and Salazar, are going to make it tough. All right, folks. Thanks for driving with me. Go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, Twitter, on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. I really hope this recorded. Driving along somewhere in Northern California, this has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast for the 25th day of October 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.